Hello, you are listening to the podcast, What is Up with Belarus? Here, I'll be introducing the Belarusian protests in 2020, an event that has had a significant impact on many international relations and caused by various ideas and strategies through international relations and geopolitics. Throughout the series, I'll be introducing various events and connections as well as some Belarusian history that have led to the forming of their society today. The final goal of this podcast is to not only get you to know more about the Belarusian protest, but to make you observe how everything is interconnected, whether it is politics or not, and to look at how your actions are developed by your thoughts, just like how our society is developed by different ideas and choices. A great way you can help this podcast is to sign a petition in the description, but before you do so, make sure you know what you're signing for, which is something I'll be explaining through this series. In this episode, I'll be introducing the first long-term cause of the protest, the independence of Belarus and the process until then. A recent and remarkable activism involving the aspiration of independent Belarus goes back as far as the late 19th century, where national Belarusian activists would attempt their action largely based on their language, Belarusian. Despite them being under the control of the Russian Empire at the time, their language has been kept alive for centuries by the peasants. The later urbanization, combined with the industrialization, as well as more frequent publications of Belarusian literature, has created a larger consciousness regarding an independent Belarus. Belarusian nationalism was not necessarily portrayed as a bad thing in the late 19th and early 20th century when it came to the Polish aspects, though it was somewhat harmful to the Russians. The Polish, in fact, was supportive of the Belarusian nationalism or political thoughts as it could turn into a method of weakening the Russian Empire, which they were kind of rivals. Of course, revolutionists also existed in Russia, which they would express their beliefs by including the phrase Belarusian people in works, but not shift the entire focus on the Belarusians. The Belarusian nationalism appeared as early as the beginning of the 19th century. A Belarusian writer, Kastas Kalinowski, who was allied with the insurrection against Russia conducted by the Polish-Lithuanians, which was at the beginning of 1863, published some content in the newspaper which translates to the peasant's truth in an attempt to inspire others to join. Although the insurrection itself has failed, it is safe to say that he has left a significant impact on the Belarusians and is considered to be one of the founding fathers of Belarusian nationalism, despite the territories being acquired by the Russian Empire. Another factor that has largely affected its nationalism, as I kind of mentioned before, is the result of industrialization. Although industrialization took place in Belarusia between the 1880s and 90s, there was very little improvement in terms of social aspects, of which it left large numbers of poverty as well as unemployment, which later caused an enormous number of cases in migration. This has worked as one of the causes that led to the Bolshevik Revolution in the early 20th century and caused another large-scale immigration with a whopping 1.5 million people to the US and to Siberia. One more factor that allowed the Belarusian nationalism to grow is the defeat of Russia in the 
Russo-Japanese War combined with their revolution in 1905. Peasants have started to become disobedient to Russian orders and strikes have sparked throughout the empire. There were mainly two reasons for this, with one of them being to keep the authorities in an unresting situation and the other being to expand liberty. What this did is that this has forced the authority to loosen the policies regarding the repression of minor non-Russian ethnic groups, which led to the blossom of Belarusian culture and thus their nationalism grew. The ban in non-Russian languages, with Belarusian being one of them, was also loosened with some exceptions and situations, but education became more accessible to an extent where peasants could also go to school, which was something new at the time. Later, Belarusian writers have emerged and published classical and modern Belarusian literature, again resembling a stronger sense of the Belarusian culture than it was before. Now, fast forward, the outbreak of the First World War was surely an event that affected Belarusia in a significant manner, both during and after the war. There were rapid clashes between the Germans and Russian, which resulted in over one million people fleeing the country. And furthermore, because of the misplanned economic strategy in Russia, which led to high prices, shortage, starvation across the country, there were widespread strikes, riots, and eventually an overthrow of the Tsarist government. There were two remarkable revolutions in 1917, with one being the February Revolution, and the other being the Bolshevik Revolution. Both revolutions gave an advantageous opportunity for the Belarusians and their nationalism, and brushed up their politics. And during that time, Bolshevism had little popularity, while the Socialist Revolutionary Party was the most favored form of Belarusian representation. They were called the Mensheviks. And of course, there were more parties that represented Belarusia, but all of them contained some aspects of socialism. As you can probably tell by now, the First World War was full of events that have molded and formed Belarusia. In 1918, when the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk was signed, most of Belarusia was supposed to be under German control. However, in the very same month, the authority of the treaty has made some modifications and declared the independence of the Belarusian National Republic. However, again, later on the very same year, the Germans, who were the ones that guaranteed their independence, has collapsed, which led to the uprising of the Belarusian Bolsheviks, which was, again, supported by the government in Moscow. And later in 1921, Belarusia was divided into three regions due to the Treaty of Riga. There was the western part, which was acquired by the Polish, the central part, which was the Belarusian SSR, and the eastern part, which was taken by Russia. However, there were several changes in the expansion of the Belarusian SSR later on, and as a result, their territory expanded by nearly two times the original size, and their population increased by more than three times, from 1.5 million to 5 million. But despite the enlarged territory, economic and social standards were only held temporarily. An economic policy that was proclaimed in 1921 that replaced capitalism 
has indeed allowed the Soviet Union to recover economically with larger outputs. However, on the other hand, the standards were not high. Originally, Belarusians were rich landlords with lots of land, whereas after became or were replaced with middle-class ones. And although the new policy seemed to be good in terms of economic recovery, it certainly was not portrayed that way when it came to collectivization. This was a measure that had started in 1928, and many were hesitant about the idea. And again, despite the strong resistance, those who were seen to be problematic were sent to Siberia while the remaining ones had starved. But for Moscow, it was just an opportunity cost for developing new industries in Belarus. Although, like I said before, it seemed like Moscow was looser to non-Russian ethnic culture in terms of their policy, but it has changed once Stalin came into power. And what this did was that Moscow's approach to Belarus became rather economic and more focused on tying Belarusia to Russia, which means that the Russification came again. One clear example of Russification that happened at the time is how the Belarusian language changed. The language was modified in order to become more similar to the Russian language and books Specifically, history books were rewritten too, to show that Belarusians were close to the Russians. Next is the Second World War. Now, this could be an event that forever changed the Belarusians' view on Russia and Germany. Just like in the First World War, Russia and Germany was heavily involved in trying to take over Belarus. In fact, in 1939, the German Nazis have initially occupied Poland and moved on to Ukraine and Belarusia. And because of their ignorance or the uninformed emergence of the Russian Red Army, many Belarusians have welcomed them, but only to later discover and suffer from the strict and harsh communist policies. And due to the Soviets' radical communist ideologies, deportations, arrests, and of course, again, Russification was common, which repressed Belarusian culture. And at the time, many were deported from Belarusia to labor camps in the Soviet Union. In two years, in 1941, the Germans have re-emerged through Belarusia, aiming towards Moscow. And the Belarusians, who have already been suffering from the strict Red Army, had hoped that the Germans would free them from the radical oppression, but only to learn that a quarter of the Belarusians have been Germanized and the remaining to be destroyed and oppressed again. One consequence during the German occupation from Belarusia was a rise in nationalism, which the Germans also used for their own sake, specifically to use against Russia. After the Red Army passed through Belarusia, German authorities advised Belarusians to create and maintain their own administration, as well as police forces. This was later recognized as the BCC, the Belarusian Central Council, which served as its very own government. Now fast forward, in 1991, a coup d'etat in Moscow was followed by the independence of many nations, including Estonia, Latvia, Ukraine, and was further followed by the Declaration of Independence of Belarus. On August 25, 1991, they were granted independence, but under state sovereignty, renamed the country to the Republic of Belarus. 
In the very same year of 1991, the Commonwealth of Independent States, which is also recognized as the CIS, was established, of which Minsk, the capital of Belarus, became the headquarters of the organization. In 1994, a new constitution was established and went into effect by the Supreme Soviet, which declared Belarus as an independent and democratic nation and guaranteed their neutrality, freedom of religion along with other freedoms, and after the short vote, Alexander Lukashenko became the first and also the current leader of the nation. Now one trend or pattern that you can see and may have noticed is that there is a wave of Russification nationalism, Russification nationalism, and so forth. Now, how were their international relations after the independence? Well, by the end of 1992, over 100 countries have recognized independent Belarus, with nearly 70% of them having established diplomatic relations with them. However, Belarus at the time had a limited diplomatic relation with many countries because of economic struggles, as well as a shortage of experienced Belarusian diplomats. And although Constitution of Belarus states that it maintains neutrality, Russia remains to be Belarus's strong military partner, largest economic trade partner, and its neighbor. Russia has a large influence on Belarus in terms of the economy, as Belarus is heavily dependent on Russia's resources, particularly on fossil fuels. It is very clear that Russia is more than just a neighboring country, as it has influence on not only its economy, but its military and politics as well. In fact, many officers in the armed force of Belarus are ethnic Russians, and over a million Russians live in Belarus. Not only that, but Belarus has faced some political consequences regarding some of those matters, particularly on fossils. Now, when it comes to the United States, although in the beginning Belarus and the US were good trading partners, of which the U.S. has provided a lot of economic aid to Belarus, after 1995, it had cooled and even reversed. This was due to the undemocratic directions that were set by the president, Lukashenko, and came to the point where the U.S. called them out for human rights violations, as well as democratic reversals. When it comes to foreign economic relations, shortly after Belarus's independence, they were still very dependent on Russia and other members of the CIS, though it is quite similar to today as well. But they started looking beyond. The EU seemed to be a good trading partner, of the which they signed an agreement regarding the economic integration, as well as their expansion to the markets in the East. And since then, they have signed numerous agreements for better access to foreign markets in hope of growing their economy, which they and Kazakhstan joined an agreement to create a trade area, though it was not very successful. I hope this covered all about Belarus's independence, as well as their relations with other countries, which are long-term factors for the poll protest, which was covered in the previous episode. And I hope to see you next episode too. And there I'll be talking about the more short-term cause of the poll protests, which are the past elections. 
If you've learned anything from this podcast or would like to express your thoughts on this, it would really help if you could sign a petition which is linked in the description to support or oppose Belarusian protesters. Thank you for your attention and hopefully see you next time.